Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Iron Moms podcast, where our mission is to forge ourselves into something greater through Christ and with one another. My name is Selena Lonero, and I am your host. On last week's episode, we touched down on the 30 basic human motivators as presented by Marshall Rosenberg. And if you are looking for that list or want to listen to the episode, go ahead and um, listen to the last episode and the list will be on our group page on Facebook. And on this week, I thought I'd do a two-part series uh, for Father's Day. So I'm going to have two very special guys on the show. The first one being my dad and the second one being my husband. I'll be interviewing them. So make sure you stay tuned for next week for my husband's episode. I hope you guys enjoy the talk and have a blessed day. Hi, Dad. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Are you ready to get started? Sure. Let's get started. So, do you have any favorite stories from your childhood? Favorite toys? Stories. A story. Oh, toys? A story. Yeah, a story. Oh, do I have any favorite stories? Yes, that's okay. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, well, uh, recently I recounted a story in which I was growing up in about five, where we used to fly kites and you used to be able to buy them for 10 cents and you would assemble the paper kites and then I'd get a strip of cloth from my mother tie it on the bottom and then we'd go fly it on this hill uh, alongside the train tracks an old tunnel for the trains uh, on the Trero Hill and uh, I would just sit there in the grass and watch my kite in the sky and uh, I used to enjoy that a lot and got to where I was a bird kind of watcher and uh, my mom uh, told the doctor, when I was quite young, I had a sort of a heart murmur. And uh, when I went to the doctor, uh, he, uh, they did a bunch of tests on me when I was little. And, uh, and it was kind of weird. I was really scared. And he started sharing stories with me about uh, flying. And it turns out my mother told him that I enjoyed laying in the grass and watching the kite fly. So he was a pilot and he picked up on that. And he got me started. And the uh, doctor would give me books to read on how to become a pilot. Turns out he was a Navy pilot. That's how he got started. Somebody gave him the spark. Anyhow, so I just, then from there on out, I'd run around with my arms hanging out, <laughs> flying an airplane, any little flying thing that I could get. Like there used to be these helicopters that had two propellers on a stick. And it would fly straight up. That's all it did. And you'd wind up these rubber bands in between the two. And I had 10 of those things. And I'd get them stuck in the trees and on the roofs, things like that. But after many, many years of wanting to be a, a pilot, I finally figured out that I wasn't going to make the cut. And uh, so I kind of gave up on it, but uh, not 
so many years ago, I took up uh, flying with uh, ultralight trikes, and uh, I finally got to get into the air, and it was just like I imagined running down the street with my arms out, tilting from the side to side, except that was 5,000 feet in the air, and it felt really cool. Yeah, that was a, a fun, sort of a memory, but yet a story as well, so. Why did you think that you weren't going to make the cut as a pilot? Well, then you had to be in the military, and you had to graduate from a college that was you know, pretty... Like pilot school? Yeah, sort of a private thing. You had to go to special training to be a pilot. And, and I figured nobody from the ghetto ever got to be a pilot. And so I just gave up on it. Hmm. <clears throat> um, did you have a nickname growing up? And how did you get it? Growing up, I did not have a nickname. My relatives used to just call me Chris, and then I had a nickname in uh, about 20 years old because all my friends had nicknames, and they called me Greco. Greco. Yeah. So it was like a band of brothers with all the different, you gave each other nicknames. Pretty much. <laughs> It's around here somewhere. Greco. The patch, yeah. Because it was a kind of a motorcycle club, so. Mm. Anyhow, that was the only nickname I ever had except for CCG. They call me CCG now, <laughs> the music crowd. Because uh, I tell them when they ask, well, what's your name? I'd say Christopher Charles George, and they're like, we're not saying that. <laughs> I said, well, that's my name. I said, well, we're going to shorten it up. CCG. Now everybody calls me CCG. When you were a kid, what did you think life would be like when you were older? Better. Better? Yeah. Uh, I don't remember. <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, you know what, I really didn't dwell on it too much. I just, uh, as a young boy, I didn't think about that, of course. Then when I got to be about 20, I was just focused on being a uh, better worker, better at my job. So uh, I trained hard to do that. And I thought that I would eventually be uh, an engineer, which I ended up sort of being, but not. A mechanical engineer. Yeah, a mechanical engineer. I have every bit of the skills, but I never finished college. You did some really awesome stuff, though. Yeah, yeah. You worked yeah. on the first CAT scan machine, and. Well, I worked for Dinosaurics on um, their ultrasound, ultrasound processes for like, when you see babies and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I built those first prototypes, and then I was in the machine shop for production. And then Diasonics got bought out by Toshiba America, and 
they hired me and put me on loan to uh, UCSF RAL, which is University of San Francisco Radiological Imaging Lab, where I built the first uh, MRI machine. Uh, for deep space uh, gas analysis and also human MRI machines at one Tesla and five Tesla and one at 20 Tesla, which is a gas spectroscopy. And uh, low field magnets, which are like giant refrigerator magnets. And I built uh, all the body coils and I built the actual coils of the magnets inside. So that is pretty awesome. For not having a college education. No, and then later I took the money I made from that and bought a French restaurant. And then that was a struggle. And then I got really good at it and was voted one of the top 10 guys in San Francisco. And while I was working, a gentleman came in and who knew who I was. I never did figure out what that was about, but. He recruited me to work for him at Genentech to build the first uh, photofluorescent uh, uh, scannable DNA sequencer. So you did the restaurant and you were? I did. Uh, I did both jobs. I did, uh, I'd get up at uh, four, four in the morning and I'd go to the produce market and pick, pick out all my uh, vegetables and uh, flowers and nuts and essences or I'd plan meals, you know, the night before and buy everything in anticipation of the crowd for whatever was going on. And then I'd uh, put it in their storage facility. Then I went to work and got there at six and worked from then till three or rather five to three. What was it? And then I'd get off at Mom would show up at the at uh, the location and pick up. We'd go over to the Bakers of Paris and pick up all our fresh bread for that night. And then uh, she would go back to the restaurant and put away all the uh, bread and uh, the you know the the, the produce. And then I'd show up at, after work at three and start cooking for that night. It was fun. I had a lot of a lot of energy. I needed to do it because we needed money. We had a lot of children and we needed stuff. Mostly medical stuff. Teeth and stuff. Right. It was expensive. Thousands of dollars. Oh my God. But it was uh, it was worth it and I had a lot of fun and it was good. We did that for a few years, and then I sold everything, and we moved. I know that French cooking has been kind of the basis of culinary like excellence for a really long time. But did you ever think about doing a different, different style of restaurant? Oh. Were you always French, or did you want to do something more? Well, starting out, I I, uh, I didn't do French. Uh, I worked at many different kinds of uh, restaurants. I worked at uh, Italian. I worked at a place called Seven Ports, where he had a, a few dishes from different countries, 
Oh, I get it, because it's like a seven, seven ports. ports. Yeah, yes. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we did a lot of different things there, and plus the specials would be from another country that wasn't on the list, basically. <laughs> and then I learned a lot about uh, different areas of the world, and uh, as well as uh, different regions of those countries, and things changed. And then when I got into French cooking, I got into it heavy and uh, applied all of the French cooking techniques to those cuisines. And it worked out really good because people would come in and say, wow, that's the most amazing pheasant I ever had, which is a uh, Persian uh, chicken dish with a pomegranate sauce. It's really good. But if it's not done right, it's not good. Not good yeah. <laughs> but things, you know, you learn the different uh, countries and the things that are grown there and you learn how they prepare things and then you just imitate them using the best ingredients and uh, applying French technique and it turns out really good and a lot of fun. Um, was there a teacher or teachers who had a particularly strong influence on your life? Yes, I had a math teacher. He was a Greek guy. I've forgotten his name, started with an S. <sighs> he did, uh, there was a movie recently about women who did the trajectories for the moon shots. And, yeah. yeah, he was on that team. He actually did that. They didn't have computers back then. And he did everything with a slide rule and a pencil. Hmm. And uh, he was my uh, uh, differential equation and math uh, advanced math professor at uh, San Mateo College and he applied I never got math I was terrible I was awful and he showed me every single trick for doing algebra and uh, beyond and, and I wrote them down in a book I still have the book uh, they were made it real easy like memorize this and you'll be able to do that and you know it was a big influence because it opened a lot of doors because now i could do the equations that i could only uh, wish that i could do before <laughs> and it, it helped me to do a lot of things after that like figure out uh, ratios and uh, for mixing materials metals and parts of metals uh, that uh, you know what's in the mix as far as alloys to make them strong and how that's done and uh, strengths bend moments for metals and which is when you know the metal actually bends and doing all the math that you need to do so that you can build something that will work and and withstand the strain and stress you know uh, without math you can't do that so i got good at it you know, see, and he was a huge influence uh, he, he did a, he did more for me than any other teacher ever helped me do that. So that set you up for time. your whole future. He did, yeah, he did. Yeah. Do you have any really fun memories of mom? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> She worked hard too. She did a lot of uh, 
a lot of uh, projects with me and we had we had a product uh, development company together which I would uh, envision and build and she would do all the CAD CAM required to get the parts made we made a good team because we did that for years with people but one of the best memories uh, when i first met your mom i was like hi want to go for a motorcycle ride and she'll tell you she said go take a cold shower <laughs> i'm like oh okay <laughs> so, so i kept uh, at it and of course she wanted to go for a bike ride and we did eventually, and the rest is history. <laughs> and there was a couple of other things too, but quite a few really. Um, just, you know, while you guys coming into the world, that was a big, 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 big moment for us. So that was a pretty good memory. Speaking of, uh, do you remember like the biggest mental change that you went through when we started coming around? Yeah, I was scared to death. Of what? Well, I've never been a you know great dad. You know, I tried to do the best I could, but uh, you know now. Well, at first it was okay. It was just Chris, and then it was you, and then Sophia, and I was like, okay, we can stop now. <laughs> So that's when the fear struck me. It was like, oh, crap. You know, what do I do now? I got three. But um, I didn't have to do it alone. So it worked out pretty good. I don't have any, uh, I didn't have any problems until you guys got older. That was difficult. But Teen years. when you were younger, it was beautiful. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. We moved to Idaho. You guys would play in the snow. That was fun. Yeah, we had a lot of memories. Uh, it was good. So, you know, mom had, mom made all of those memories possible. So when you say, you know, if you have great, <laughs> yeah, quite a few. I can't even think of them all now that I'm starting to. It's like they're all flooding in. So too many to, too many to really pick one out over the rest. Yeah. Um, so we learned a lot from our parents and the way they parented us. What was one way you improved our family heritage of parenting? Well, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, when you're married, it's a group thing. It's like you got to negotiate every single thing. <laughs> it's so, true, yes. So, yeah, you got to run it by, right? <laughs> yeah, so, you know. And I was uh, a tenant, I had a tendency to be over heavy handed. So, Mom was there to mediate all the time, so uh, it was uh, it was interesting. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to to put it. What was one of your favorite memories with your parents? If you have one of both of them together. Or maybe uh, the holidays the holidays mom had a huge family dad's family was shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
They just not, not they not, didn't they didn't, you know, it was not wholesome. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as great as mom's family it was all great. They all loved each other and everybody was happy. Dad's family was uh, argumentative, angry, and confrontational all the time. And uh, so, yeah, I had great fond memories of the holidays with with them because everybody was together. And, you know, I remember my grandparents, my mother's parents, uh, you know, being a big part of that. and keeping the whole family together and that that stayed with me and I tried to tried to do that you know but uh things don't always come out like you want them to but uh it's still pretty good we got together for a while and when we were all living here in Sacramento every Sunday yep that was a lot of fun yep had to loosen out a few of my jeans but <laughs> <laughs> it was fun <laughs> oh yeah um, do you have any favorite memories with us kids? Well, yeah, of course. Um, then again, I mean, where do you pick one that's better than the others? Um, well, graduation was really fun. For each of us? From all of the schools. <laughs> I remember uh, father-daughter dances. And times when... Uh, Chris and I would, uh, uh, you know, have moments. And it's funny, we were just talking about that the other day, Chris and I, when uh, we lived in San Mateo, and we go, hey, let's go for a ride. It's like, okay. We got in the car, and we let everybody know we were going somewhere. And we went down <laughs> to Taco Bell and had a taco. <laughs> he loved it. And I didn't know that until years later. He was having so much fun with that he thought that was the coolest thing we'd sit there in the grass right outside the place or sit in the car and just have a taco and he thought that was we had a moment you know and i so we celebrated by going out and getting a taco that's beautiful (laughs) i had no idea me neither you know (laughs) i mean i thought it was fun at the time but you know and uh when we went to the snow in Idaho, you all had so much fun with it, and it was a beautiful uh, memory. That I remember that really good. I remember one night you woke me up in the middle of the night. It was like summertime, and you loaded us up into the truck, and you drove us out to Bogus Basin, and there was like no one there and it was like pitch black and you could see like every star in the sky oh yeah it was so i've never never seen the sky like that since then yeah (laughs) yeah that was a beautiful sky up there very clear and that's why i did it because i used to do that when i was in backville when i was growing up and my parents would drop me off there for a while and i would go outside they would take me outside my cousins would take me outside and we they'd sit there and we'd just look up at the stars. And since I was a star and sky gazer <laughs> and I really was into it, you know, and we saw, you know, all the stars. And I thought that was a great fun memory. So I, I shared it with you guys and I hope you guys will do that with your kids. I've been, I've been waiting because she doesn't 
you know, my kids are still too young. They're not, they don't, you know, you can't wake them up to yeah, look at the no. sky just yet. But I remember mm-hmm. coming home one night and she had woken up because we had been driving for a while carrying her into the car. And she's like, why? And then we stopped and she was like, put me down. So I put her down and she lays down on the ground and like looks at the sky. Exactly. <laughs> and we just like, kind of left her there. Like we unloaded the car and like, all right, well. Well, my, one of my favorite things was to get up early before the sun's up and go somewhere beautiful and watch the sun come up. Yeah. You know, I like doing that. And uh, I did that with your mom. We used to get up in the morning and go watch the sun come up. And it was a big deal, you know. <laughs> so um, one time there was a convergence of all the planets all lined up in a row. Really? And I don't remember when that was, but it was a big deal. And uh, planetary uh, alignment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that happened when we were young, right? Uh, I don't even know you guys were here yet. Okay. Yeah, I was racing motorcycles. Okay. So you weren't here yet. Yeah. But uh, we were, went down to the Santa Cruz Mountains, way up on... Uh, highway nine and got out to the middle of nowhere where there was no trees no houses no nothing climbed up this big hill <laughs> and stood up there and there were other people there already oh, really yeah and we're all waiting for the convergence to happen and it was like i don't know one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning this was supposed to happen yeah was and it supposed to be like some bright light in the sky no nothing was going to happen it was just a <laughs> planetary alignment right. so we're looking up and trying to figure out what you know but we knew it was in a southeastern uh, direction. Mm-hmm. And so we were looking off in that direction. I think it was southeastern. might be wrong. But we were waiting and waiting, and we're counting down the minutes, and we could hear people down the hill counting the minutes, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, about, oh, I don't know, 15, 20 seconds before they started counting this thing down, we started hearing like this a huge airplane, like a prop plane oh. sound, and it was coming up the mountain. And it was like, what the hell? And it was a clear, starlit, cloud-free sky, you know? And we're looking for this airplane, and uh, it got really loud. And right around exactly the time that... Uh, it was supposed to be the convergence. This thing got really loud, and it just went, ooh, and went away. Oh, my gosh. I know. And it was like, I asked Mom, we were like, what was that? You know, and we're looking around, and people were like, what was that? You know, and we're like, oh, my goodness. It had to be an airplane. It sounded like it, but where was it? And what, you know, it was really loud, so it would have been pretty close. Yeah. Anyhow. That was a unique thing. Yeah, no kidding. While we were looking at the sky. Sorry, I got off the question. No, that's all right. (laughs) Yeah. Now that you're on the adult side of parenting, what advice do you have for those of us in the throes of it? Uh, Well, uh, use your best judgment. Don't let other people tell you what they think. You need to use your own judgment. And uh, and it's good. Don't you know? Don't second guess yourself. Usually, your gut feeling is the right feeling, and just go with it. 
because that way it's not going to be that far off and <laughs> you know uh don't let other people intimidate you in any way when it comes to influencing your children at all you do the influencing you're the one responsible and you're the one that's going to take the heat later so that's the best advice what's one thing that you want your grandkids to experience in their lifetime hmm. I don't know. I'd have to, you know, happiness, of course. Uh, the joy of childhood is really important. I didn't have a lot when I, that when I was growing up. Uh, it was pretty rough on me. But, uh, you, you know, uh, I tried to instill that in you guys, and I think I did okay. Mom did the best she could too and so uh, you got the best we could do at the time <laughs> so hopefully that uh, was instilled upon you and you are gonna then instill upon your children in some way with your own twists whatever the things are that you've learned kind of like the uh, story of tribal knowledge it's, uh, it grows it gets better as time goes on well uh, you guys do a great job so it must be must be working. We try our best. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> of course you do. Toddlers get the best of us. <laughs> yeah, of course you. Do. Um, what's one of the most important lessons that you've learned from life? Uh, well, again, uh, trust your instincts. Don't let other people influence you. Do what it is you want to do because it's you. If you hold you back, that's just stupid. If you want to be a painter, be a painter. If you want to be a singer, be a singer. Uh, I let my flying dreams drift away. And then later on when I had more time and realized that was on my bucket list, I went out and did it. And uh, you should do the same, you know. Uh, follow your dreams and make sure you get your shit done while you can. That's it. What was the most profound spiritual moment of your life? Spiritual. Well, Grandpa turned me on to orthodoxy. And his belief was ridiculously strong. Being an old Greek guy from the old country, it was just ingrained in every fiber of his being. So he he started talking to me about it and I, you know, I'd go over to his house on the weekends and be with him, spend time with him, you know, help him at his house. He was very old. So and nobody would help him with stuff. So I started helping him with stuff and he started talking more and more and then he started influencing me into uh getting into orthodoxy, which I thought I would try. And uh, uh, being a Catholic already and then sh shifting over to Buddhism uh, because of my uh, beliefs, <clears throat> um, it was easy to make the connection. And then when I learned more about orthodoxy, um, 
I, I, I became aware and it, it was a spiritual moment for me. One other thing that, that happened is, well, uh, I believe that uh, we have, we, we, are, we are energy and our energy is not lost. So that does not necessarily go against uh, the teachings of anybody. Uh, in fact, it doesn't at all. I think that uh, there is energy all around us that is spiritually, uh, you can't miss it. I mean, it's, if you pay attention, you hear it, you see it. And many things have happened to me in my lifetime that has made me aware that uh, there is more to uh, our energy than meets the eye. Mm -hmm. So that was a kind of a spiritual awakening too, sort of a, uh, a moment in which I realized, hey, that kind of goes with everything, you know? <laughs> and uh, those were some spiritual moments as far as my beliefs, unless you meant a different kind of spiritual yeah. moment. Yeah, not necessarily. Yeah. I think that, that was good. And then um, if you, when you meet God, what do you want to say to him? <laughs> uh, thank you. That's it. Thank you for everything. Everything you did. Everything you gave me. Everything I saw. Everything I smelled. Everything I tasted. Thank you for my life. I'm glad I'm home. <laughs> Got me on that one. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on the show, Dad. Okay. I hope you had fun. Well, I don't know. I, you know, later on you think about, oh, I could have answered like this, or I could have said that, or wow, I could have really had an impact. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I didn't practice for these, and I think it made it easier. Well, it was beautiful. <laughs> mm. And you know what? Next year, Father's Day, we can do it again if you want. <laughs> okay. I might be doing it in sign language, so we're going to have to. <laughs> but I might be talking. You never know. You never know. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs>